Hi everybody, this is Caitlin from Samson 12 with Carla Webb and Jim McAfee. Let me start by disclosing my personal relationship with Carla and Jim. Carla is my mother and she met Jim for the first time in the 1990s when she came to him for nutritional advice. Jim is a board certified clinical nutritionist and a member of the Scientific Council of International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists. He's a director of Nutritional Research for Image Awareness Wellness Institute and a member of Neil Life's Health Professionals Council. This is episode two of our podcast, and we'd like to cover the topic of managing insulin levels. Um, in a couple of Jim's books and his audio tapes, you've mentioned managing your insulin levels, and it isn't in ways that I've heard in the past. So I'm going to hand it over to Carla and Jim. How would you answer that? Because that's an interesting question. How would I recommend managing insulin? Mm -hmm. Uh, Insulin is a response that the the body uses to uh, sugars. So basically, what you need to do in order to lower insulin, the lower our insulin level is, the better uh, in general terms. So different foods tend to promote the release of insulin at different levels. Do you want to release insulin? Is that the goal? You want to not have too much insulin? What insulin does is insulin moves sugar within the cell so that it can be used for production of energy, Okay. what's called ATP. If you overload the system, then you lose your energy production. Um, When you have high insulin, uh, you you have uh, low energy production. When you have a a more moderate, lower insulin, you have a higher energy level. Hmm. So most Americans have insulin levels that are too high. And the amount of insulin that's produced is proportional to how rapidly the sugars get into the system. And people can become hypersensitive to insulin when they eat sugar all the time. Uh, there are different sugars. There's uh, fructose and glucose. And uh, insulin is most rapidly influenced by uh, glucose. So um, that's a problem if you overload with glucose. But okay, also so give me an example. excess fructose can be a problem too. Okay, so glucose and fructose. Are there any other... Sugars? There are are other sugars. Got it. But glucose would... Give me an example of glucose. Table sugar is 50% glucose and 50% fructose. Got it. And the fructose is... Honey is the same and agave syrup is the same. All these are concentrated sugars. Those are fructose or glucose? Combination of fructose and glucose. So anytime Most of them are about 50-50. You taught me how to pick up a package and look at the ingredients. And so when you have... Fructose, corn syrup, um, agave, all of those different... What about my stevia that I have every day? Well, stevia does not have uh, a little bit different. sugars in it. But now they cheat. They, they, they try to, with the stevia, now I've been looking at the ingredients on it, and sometimes it's like stevia, a little bit of stevia mixed with something else, like corn syrup. Yeah, and sometimes just the taste of sweet will trigger an insulin response. Interesting. Uh, Actually, anytime we eat, there's an insulin response, whether we're eating fat or protein or carbohydrate. So it's not a matter of completely eliminating 
insulin production. It's a matter of controlling it or regulating it. There's a, a crucial bit of information that people need to understand in order to regulate insulin, and that is how much sugar is in a food, because it's usually expressed in terms of grams. Mm-hmm. So you pick up a little container of yogurt, and it says uh, 26 grams of sugar. Well, how much uh, is 26 grams? Every four grams is a teaspoon of sugar. Wow, I never knew that. So what you need to do is uh, divide whatever is on the label 26 divided by, by four. 4. So you've got... Six eight, times four is twenty-four, so it'd be about six and seven, a half yeah. uh, of teaspoons, teaspoons of, of sugar, sugar in one yogurt. In one little yogurt. Now, there's there's all variations. There, right. some of them will be seven, and some will be twenty-six. Hmm. The total amount of sugar in the bloodstream at any given point in time is about seven to eight grams of sugar. Should be or is that's the normal for Should a healthy be. individual. So, when we start ingesting, you know, three or four or five times of that at a single meal, we put a stress on the system because we're getting elevated levels of insulin. The insulin goes up at the same rate that the sugar is entering the bloodstream, and it also goes up in quantity based upon how much uh, total sugar is ingested. So I have a story. Remember when I came, I was learning how sugar was really affecting my allergies. And I was having horrible allergies. And Jim had told me, you told me, um, that sugar uh, reduces my immune system by 50%, by, by 50% for five hours after I take it. And I remember I was with the kids at a farm. I was sneezing. It was some sort of nice event for everybody else except I was miserable. And I called you up and I said, Jim, I haven't taken any sugar. Why am I sneezing? And you asked me, well, what are you, what are you drink? What are you doing? And I said, well, I'm having Diet Coke. Now, what about aspartame? See, for somebody like me at the time, I'm thinking I'm not having sugar. I'm having Diet Coke. But the what's the what about those aspartame the the, the different sugars? What are they called? Like the um, the pink packet or the Saccharin blue packet? Sac- yeah. Nutrisweet, what about those different things? Um, some of the sugars. What I usually recommend for people is either monk fruit or stevia because those okay. don't have any carbohydrate. Some of the others, like uh, Splenda, has chlorine molecules in there and. Uh, uh, some of the others are actually, research studies on them are not very optimistic at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, monk fruit and stevia are more natural. Uh, you don't want to overload any kind of sweetness if you can. You want to curb the body so that it's uh, basically not overstimulated by sweet because just the taste of sweet can stimulate insulin too. Right. So seven or eight grams is kind of a good idea mm-hmm. of where, where you want to be at any point in time. Yeah, here's something important to understand about insulin and regulating it. Every time you eat, insulin is released. So if you're eating six meals a day, you're getting insulin released six times a day. If you eat three meals a day, most people did that. You know, we didn't snack between meals in the 70s when I was growing up. You ate at uh, the meal time and you didn't snack between meals. 
So you were only releasing insulin three times a day. Today, the average person is eating six meals a day. So they're getting insulin released more frequently. Which is more energy, theoretically, if you're doing it correctly. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you want to really uh, curb insulin production, uh, the other thing is if you go periods of time without eating, the insulin levels tend to fall. So one of the things that a lot of people are doing now is they're trying to consume all of their meals within a period of about eight hours in the course of the day, and then they don't eat for the rest of the day. So kind of a fasting. It's a modified fasting. And if you do that, it's very effective for most people in dropping the insulin down. When you drop the insulin down, you get the production of another hormone called glucagon, and that burns fat. Huh. So you can't burn fat when you have a high insulin level. So if you want to lose weight, you bring the insulin down and you promote the glucagon, and that's triggered by exercise, and it's triggered by going periods of time where you don't Modern eat. Fasting. So when you say that, because I've tried to do that, but then what happens, do, are you able to drink during that fasting time, or just water? Can I, yeah, I shouldn't you can, have carbonated you can be drink fluids. beverages. You, just, uh, yeah, you don't want to consume carbohydrates, because that'll... It takes about uh, 12 hours or so mm -hmm. to move into uh, burning of fat. Okay. So if you never have a period of time in the course of 24 hours where you're going more than 12 hours without eating, you're never going to be able to burn the fat. You just tend to accumulate, you know, a pound a year. Got it, got it, got it. you do it. that for 40 years, you're 40 pounds overweight. That's what's been happening. Hmm. <laughs> so, so... Back to my moderate fasting. Can I have water or... Yes, you can have water. Just that's it? No LaCroix? Because I am now... <laughs> that's not as good because you're... Well, LaCroix is probably Messing okay. with your insulin. One of the problems with carbonated beverages is uh, carbon dioxide is a waste product as far as the body's concerned. And it's a particular problem if someone has... Uh, fungal overgrowth in the body. Let's say someone has candida albicans. Mm -hmm. uh, if you drink carbonated beverages, you cause a flare-up of that uh, candida albicans because basically these yeasts, they like sugar and they like carbon dioxide. So both of them make them more resilient and more hardy. And that's like a gut thing. And candida uh, can... Uh, promote uh, elevation of estrogen levels in the body. And ah. the side effect of estrogen is unavoidable weight gain. Oh, and that's so like we, that menopause. we don't really want to pr be promoting a lot of fungal overgrowth in the body. So another word for menopause, kind of, a little bit? Well, is menopause is caused by fluctuations in hormone levels. Okay, I remember when I met Jim, his mother, I love Jim's mom. <laughs> and one of the first things she said to me is, I never went through menopause. And so then I realized, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about at that time because I was so young. But you know what? That happened to me too. And it's because of the supplements and everything. I mean, I have friends that have hot flashes or just like, just just horrible problems. Yeah, actually, and, my mother did go through menopause. Oh, did she? Yeah. And See, um, she, was, she was going through <laughs> menopause and then she got involved in the supplements. And, uh huh. Uh, she went back to her regular 28-day cycle for five years. Wow. And then the second time she went through menopause, she didn't have any symptoms at right. all. Right, right. So there you have it. So she, started, these... she was starting to go through menopause when she was 43. 
Wow, and then it and then it went backtracked because of the supplements. Yeah, then it uh, went to where she was around fifty or. So over. see, what I love doing is hearing your definitions and then putting it into like my language. <laughs> the can I just you don't know sometimes you know what the what the what it, where you're at what it actually means candida you know all of that stuff but yeah, candida is just a yeah. a, a yeast that is actually causes health but problems insulin is a big big deal nowadays especially with kids having getting on adult onset diabetes which they never had before yeah, we've only scratched the surface oh my gosh yeah insulin. so we'll get into that later are there any nutritional supplements that can help with regulating insulin levels with as you're eating today that's a good point. There are many uh, nutrients that play a role in uh, regulating blood sugar. Um, chromium, zinc, selenium. Um, one of the things that happens when uh, we have too much fat on the body, that actually causes inflammation. And so one of the most important supplements for weight loss is actually uh, fish oil, salmon oil, because... Uh, that stops the formation of or inhibits the formation of these inflammatory compounds in the fat cells that become a cycle that promotes more and more weight gain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the other thing is you can do a protein drink. Um, we use a, a drink that's an ideal profile of a meal, and that actually curbs the appetite. The turnoff mechanism for sweets is... Uh, actually protein-mediated, so if a person is on a low-protein diet, they tend to be hungry for sweets all the time. Uh, something else uh, interesting is that uh, if you do a high-protein diet, the body will convert the protein to carbohydrate or to glucose. The body can do that. So the best diet for regulation of insulin is one that has a high intake of quality fats, moderate protein, and a more or less restricted carbohydrate diet. In the carbohydrate diet, there is what's called a glycemic index, which tells you the effects of uh, what a carbohydrate is going to be on the body. There's also an insulin index that tells you how much a food is going to trigger release of insulin. Wow. I'll need a chart for that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I don't have it all You'll in my head. You'll have to put numbers down for we me. We have on that, that one. on our website. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you. And um, you can reach out to imageawareness.com or samson12.com to get a hold of Jim McAfee to hear about direct um, supplements that he would suggest for you or for your family. Please reach out to us as well for any questions that you might have on nutrition or nutritional advice. Um, Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.